random encounter at a broadcasting facility. A shared interest and love of all things Marvel. Excelsior! A misinterpreted program title. And behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick. Podcaster and comic book enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson! Upstate New York radio announcer, still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter! What are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Hi, this is State Your Name and Credits, and you're listening to The Marvelists with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Eddie Wilson. And joining us on the other end of the Zoom and string over in North Kakalaki himself, the proprietor of the Kinoplex, Taylor Steakboy Stenhouse. Taylor, good evening. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. And we are also joined with someone over in the wild north, the woolly, woolly woods. It's very, very spooky. It's cold up there. Canada. He's got a beard. He's got some flannel on. Knucklehead. We are joined with Chip Zadarsky. Chip, welcome back to the program. You're finally a two-timer. We finally got you to be a two-timer. Woo! Woo. And by the way, you were our very first major guest all the way back in 2018. We had Jim Starlin on, but, eh. but you know. <laughs> I mean, I believe Jim Starlin uh, is uh, more major than myself. Anyway. I, don't, I just want to say that I wouldn't have done this podcast if I knew that Chip was Canadian. I, I wasn't aware of that. I wish I had been made aware up front. Wow. I mean, we can, can, we, we can get rid of Taylor, right? I think we can. Yeah, he was late, so, I mean, that's pretty ballsy to show up <laughs> late and then criticize the uh, guest who uh, showed up on time. Well, I'm a very smart person, so. Yeah, yeah. For those of you who are not watching the show, well, we aren't doing a video show, but if you can see, Chip is taking off his jacket, doing a little bit of a striptease for us, and we appreciate it. I made I made a classic Canadian mistake before coming on this. I uh, I live on a tiny island, and there's like one little restaurant. And I went, and my wife's away, so I went. I went to get myself a small poutine. It was a very Canadian thing for me to do in my flannel. I've never. And, had uh, oh, so good! Uh, but but the guy gave me uh, a, a large poutine. Well, let and, me ask. Uh, I, your... I ate the whole thing. What is your preferred Timbit flavor? Oh man, I haven't had a Timbit in uh, forever. I'm I'm a I'm a classic man. I'm a classic, just straight up. Uh, Tim Horton was a hockey player here, who started that uh, uh, franchise. In fact, the uh, the the character that um, uh, that was in Wayne's World. Do you remember Wayne's World? You're young. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you do. Yeah, yeah. The guy who owned the donut place there that that was based on uh, Tim Horton. Uh, but Tim Horton uh, was uh, started a donut chain. He, was, uh, he liked to imbibe, and he uh, he died in a uh, drunk driving uh, car crash. So I've never quite gotten on board with the phrase "Tim Bits" because because uh, I'm assuming that's what happened to him. See, I thought it'd be like the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. You know, some uh, Gordon Lightfoot just going on for 15 minutes halfway through the uh, the ship finally sank. Just a mm. drunk hockey player. Still, like you have a birthday listening to that song. We shouldn't have. So, Chip, you are a double agent. Finally, you're working for the Distinguished Competition, as well as the House of Ideas and other names for Marvel. That's true. Like? Yeah. What is it like doing that now? Like being that guy where you went from the guy who is drawing glowing doodles in Sex Criminals to mm-hmm. now doing some of the most thought provoking and honestly most critically acclaimed comics at both brands it's insane to see and i love seeing that uh i don't yeah i mean nothing has changed i said this before we start recording but nothing has actually changed in my life my, my life is exactly the same except that sometimes i'm a bit sadder because i'm writing serious stuff mm. uh but like every gig's its own thing like there's no difference for me emotionally between writing like Howard the Duck and uh and Batman. Like they're the the scripts are the same length, you know, you kind of I mean, I guess I have to deal with some more difficulties uh writing Batman because you gotta run it by Jim Lee or whoever. Mm-hmm. Um 
but, but I don't pay a lot of attention to online stuff uh, or response. So they're, they're really the same. So like nothing in my life has changed except uh, I took on too many projects and now I'm scaling back the projects and uh, Batman pays better than Howard the Duck, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's, some, that's one of the big things I noticed, <laughs> weirdly. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I sometimes miss the um, the straightforward nature of just drawing. Like Sex Criminals was a ton of fun. It was a lot of work, but um, you just put your head down and you do the job. Like I was saying that to, because Ryan Stegman, uh, Marvel artist, uh, I want to say extraordinaire if I have to, um, <laughs> he he's he's been doing writing lately, and so he texts me a lot, kind of like for advice, um, uh, to bounce ideas, and uh, and like we were talking about how drawing, you, you just you sit down and you start working, and if you're at a skill level where you kind of know how to draw stuff. <laughs> basically um it's just a matter of doing it and getting through it until the panel's done the page is done and then you move on to the next one uh very rarely do you draw a thing and then you like screw it up so bad you got to start it over i mean there's some perfectionists that that maybe do that but for the most part you just you, you dig in you do it with writing though like you can go like days and not like type a single word because you're stuck on something you do all these tricks to kind of get out of it but like some scripts take me two weeks to write some scripts take me a day like there's no rhyme or reason to it and you're kind of at the mercy of your brain um so i miss just drawing especially something like sex criminals which was like just a ton of fun um because uh because yeah yeah like your work day was a bit more there weren't the kind of ups and downs that you have with writing and also you don't really get criticized as much as an artist like and it's easier to be online as an artist like unless you're like taking swings like life belt or something um you can you can actually just like if someone likes your work they'll, they'll like the next issue they'll like the issue after if someone doesn't then they just they won't and but they'll never talk about you really whereas with writing it's like you could have somebody love your work on batman hate your work on daredevil or vice versa or love an issue and then hate the next issue because everyone's bringing their own baggage to story mm -hmm. but but everyone just kind of like either gets on board or doesn't get on board with an artist. And, you know, one of the things with your writing, and this has been a recurring question that I always ask anyone who has a comedic background to them. Daniel Kibblesmith was the very first person I asked this afterwards. Um, when it came to your work, like the one issue for me that I told you, like brought tears to my eyes was Howard the Duck. And it was the issue where the, uh, the, uh, inner, the, uh, the gender bend versions are with the guy and the guy goes, you know, he passes away. It's hard to, you know, bring up and also not get sad as you're, I'm talking about it. Yeah, yeah. But the way you wrote that, I'm like, this guy is one of the funniest people in comics and yet he managed to find a way to make me so sad. And I'll talk like, mm -hmm. you know, to Kibblesmith and various others and just ask the question of, you write things that are hilarious. How are you going to make me sad like Zdarsky did? And it's mm -hmm. like the recurring question. I mean, for the most part, I think if there's anyone out there that's funny, like genuinely funny, they are also incredibly sad. Like they're <laughs> those two things usually go pretty hand in hand. So it's easy to kind of tap into that uh, personally. But also like, I don't know, you look at like, I don't know, he used Tom Hanks as an example, but he went from like being a joke, jokey comedy guy to serious. Like I think those muscles are very, um, they're very similar uh as as a writer or an actor any kind of creative person if you're funny you can also probably really nail serious um and yeah like i think the the serious bits hit and the sad bits hit harder when it's preceded by jokes when there's jokes kind of surrounding it because right. it throws you off balance if like if howard the duck was just like from the beginning to that issue was all sad scenes and then, then that issue wouldn't have worked uh, or like kind of subsequent kind of sad uh, or more serious issues. Uh, I always point to, I probably did this last time I was on your show, uh, the Giffen Demetrius Justice League run uh, back in the 80s and 90s, uh, which was, you know, the blah-ha-ha period, a lot of jokes flying, uh, much lighter in tone than anything else in the stands. But then when they went serious, when something big happened, it like hit like a ton of bricks 
and that's mm. because it's surrounded by the the lightness you know it's it's so cliche like you know the dark is defined by the light the light's defined by the dark if things are always dark like how do you know it's dark like um I, it, it's true in writing so and like, did you sorry uh did you have a moment of like um you know i mostly write funny stuff i want to write serious stuff now or did that just kind of happen naturally it's all it all depends on the character and the idea yeah <laughs> like i've always loved daredevil mm-hmm. and um so for that because it's probably my most serious thing mm-hmm. uh when cb sabalski came on board he sent all the contract writers an email saying give me your give me your your uh, dream gigs let me know what your dream gigs are uh he just wanted to know because like if it came up then he could like he could figure out like which creator to approach so i i told him i told him daredevil and i told him another one which i'll i won't reveal <laughs> um and uh because i always had in mind to do like like a a, a a gritty kind of back to like kind of Bendis Brubaker style daredevil story. Mm -hmm. I always had the kind of germ in my head of what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't like, it wasn't a conscious thing of, Oh, I want to do this to show people I can do serious. It's just like, Oh no, I know what I want to do with daredevil. The same way I I knew what I wanted to do with Jughead. Yeah. Totally different things, but like, right. Yeah. But, um, I, I, I often say that, uh, it's, uh, it's a wonder that I have a career because I, I've done so many different types of things that I, I haven't really built a, a base, like a fan base, really. Like you, you think of like John Grisham, he writes legal novels. You think of Stephen King, primarily he writes horror, Daniel Steele romance, like, like with, with novelists, they pick a lane and they stay to it because they're building a brand. Mm-hmm. Like people are a fan of Daniel Steele's books because they are romance books. They know what they're getting. Mm-hmm. If Daniel Steele went and said, Oh yeah, this is a, uh, this is a international spy thriller. Like would her readers <laughs> pick that up? Probably not. And so like, I, I can't, it's hard for me to picture someone who is a Chip Zdarsky fan because it's hard for me to picture someone who picks up Jughead and then Daredevil and is like, yeah, I want the guy who wrote Jughead. I want to see what he does on Daredevil and I want to see what yeah. he does on Batman yeah. or Stillwater. Yeah. Yeah. Like it doesn't, well, it doesn't make sense to me. Right. And uh, so I think I don't really have a lot of kind of crossover readers to my work, yeah. which might be to my you know detriment ultimately. Like, I don't know, like if someone's reading Daredevil, I, I don't, think they're going to pick a public domain it's like i have to completely build a different audience from scratch over there like some people will or some people just kind of recognize oh you know yeah. this guy i like what this guy writes yeah. maybe i'll like this thing that's very different yeah. from his previous yeah. stuff yeah. um great yeah, it, it's definitely like the variety of your work i think is like has attracted me to like okay now i'm gonna pick up anything he does because i'm just so interested to see what he does next what it is yeah, and it's not going to be all for you. I'm sure. I'm sure right. there's stuff that hits and stuff that doesn't. Like even right. like going from Daredevil to Batman, I'm like, kind of in, they're in a similar genre, but I didn't want to go into Batman as like Daredevil Part Two. Like mm-hmm. I, I started, I started the Batman series from a much different place than I did with Daredevil, just because mm-hmm. I'm like I, I want to mix it up. Like I don't want, I don't want to get bored with the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now speaking of the uh, Batman run getting on that title. How did that one come about? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty weird. Um, obviously I've been with Marvel for a while, but I only ever signed one year contracts. Um, initially I only signed that one year contract because I just didn't know. I, I signed it because I wanted to get in the room. I wanted to go to those Marvel retreats. Right. Uh, just to see what that's like if i like the experience so i signed it one year in case i didn't like it and then the next year i signed another one year because i'm just like i don't i don't know if i i don't know if i vibe with the place so if i want to jump ship and like go off and sail the world i could just do it and then when uh when there's the switch over between axel and cb i did the same thing because i'm like i don't know cb maybe i won't like him like i'll sign a one year i've, I've always just signed one year contract so when when the last one kind of came up um 
I basically, I was kind of feeling on the fence and uh, I just, I basically gave them two numbers. I was like, if you pay me this amount per page, I'll be exclusive. If you pay me this amount, I will be non-exclusive. And so uh, after a lot of back and forth, we were just like, all right, non-exclusive. That's fine. Like, great. Fantastic. Now, now, in regards to that Batman, you have a lot of different things that are going to be coming out with it, especially, you know, different covers. You got different artists on there. And that actually leads to this fan question that we received. Uh, Dear Mr. Zadarsky, I have a few questions. I've heard you've written a lot of comics, but I've never read any of your stuff. I think it's because I dislike your beard and you're Canadian, but that all changed. Yep. I heard that Joe Casada was doing covers for your Batman book. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Mr. Mm -hmm. Casada. I was introduced to your writing, and after reading your latest issue of Batman, I can honestly say it's not my thing. I'm sure there are others who feel differently, like your family and maybe your closest friends and a handful of Canadians. And by the way, they spoke Canadians with an E. But mm -hmm. they're probably lying to you, kind of like a cat. Do you own a cat? Cats hate us. Anyway, I didn't write this to make you feel bad or get on my rant about cats and how they will eventually kill us all. But to let you know that as long as Mr. Casada is doing covers, I'm along for the ride, even if I have to pay an exorbitant amount for those issues. So my questions are, does it feel weird coasting on Mr. Casada's coattails? Hmm. Have you ever met him? And does he let you look him directly in his eyes? Will you ever shave your beard? Maybe clean it up a bit at least. It makes it very difficult to look at your face or read one of your comics thinking that when you wrote it, stray whiskers were dropping on your keyboard. Sorry, I'm a bit of a germaphobe. All the best, Brianna. Okay, well, I mean, that's clearly Joe writing that. Um, uh, and I can tell because it's too long. <laughs> so, by the way, someone just joined the uh, conference. Jesus Christ. <clears throat> I see. I see. They're connecting to audio. So we should just wait for this. Oh, and there's a visual too. Thank God. Thank God. Oh, oh, but we can't hear him. Oh, oh. One of my favorite parts was hearing him. Lots of stories about the old days. All the back rooms and the the whips and the chains and hmm. oh, it's a shame. Yeah, and he can't even he can't get the audio going, and he can't even like oh like call the Marvel help desk or anything. Oh wait, is that? I think I hear him. Do I? No. Wow. How many times? Oh, there you go. Here I go. Hey, there Jim. you go. Hey, how are How's you going? You know, good, doing good, well. Good. I heard, yeah. I overheard there was a there was a great fan letter that came in for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah, yeah. It's it's nice that you uh, you're following in my footsteps with a pseudonym. Yeah, no, that wasn't me. Mm, yeah, sure. Was yeah. Not, that was Brianna. Oh yeah, Brianna. 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 Uh, yeah, I've gotten letters from Brianna before. Uh, it's so great to see you. Uh, I mean, for the first time since uh, you're no longer my boss. Is that true? Is it the first uh, time since? Uh... Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you would only ever talk to me if you were contractually obligated to. This is true. Um, this is and true. If you had a position of power over me, I know that was a big yeah. deal for you. It was. I mean, I lorded it over you, I think. Uh, uh, probably more than most, just because, you know. Yeah, because you like me. It's like It's like on the playground. I do. You're no, kind of cuddly. You're kind of cuddly. I have to admit. So, so by the way, Bri Brianna, I, I, there's a backstory behind Brianna. There really mm. is. Yeah. So many, many years ago, uh, long before you were even a gleam in Marvel's eye, mm. uh, I had uh, received that we we were we were about to cancel Spider Girl, Tom DeFalco Spider Girl, and we received this really impact i didn't want to cancel it but you know we want to cancel it and we received this incredibly impassioned mm -hmm. letter from little brianna who loved mayday parker loved her to death <laughs> and just went on and on and on and it was the cutest letter and so i showed it to the powers of Biddy and i said look this book matters to someone I'm like, all right, keep it going. And you know what? We should we should reach out to Brianna. We should do like an interview with her. And that sounds like fun. Great. So <laughs> try to Brianna, call Brianna's house and get her mom and say, hey, we, you know, Brianna saved 
Spider Girl. You're going to love, uh, she loves it so much that we'd love to talk to her. And she, the mom <laughs> goes, uh, Rihanna's three months old. You may wanna, her dad's the comic book fan. You may want to talk to her dad. And it was just like, oh. so. <laughs> but you kept the title going. Yes, yes, and Brianna is uh, is forever etched in my memory as uh, uh, sometimes the reality of publishing and fandom and things like that. So, when I worked at the newspaper um, uh, in the arts department, um, the one little letter writer we always referred to was a woman named Sandra Arf. Sandra Arf would write in whenever anything crossed the line and we would, we would print out her letter. And right. like one of mine was just like, I did a drawing of Jennifer, Jennifer Love Hewitt with like Jennifer Love Hewitt cleavage, like the exact cleavage she has in the yeah. show. Yeah. And we got a letter from Sandra Arf saying, you know, it was inappropriate. So, you know, I took the drawing and I like, I, I added like a, an extra top to her and we, we pinned it up along with other letters from Sandra Arf. Right. Um, and, and it, it was a big thing that said, think about Sandra Arf. So the whole department had right. to think about Sandra Arf at all times. What would she be thinking at all times, you know? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, so I'm glad you got my my Sandra Arf uh, letters. Your Sandra Arf. So, so Chip, I feel like I, I feel like I'm I'm imposing on your time here. You know, I mean, this this is like your interview. I yeah, I'm, I, I'm, 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 no, I'm desperately. I, I didn't volunteer. <laughs> Trust me, I didn't volunteer for this. You're really cutting into me, uh, trying to promote this uh, little known character, Batman. I just need to get the word out. So I, I did. I did, in fact, before starting covers, they sent me uh, the first two issues that it would be doing covers for. Uh, okay, yeah. They were outstanding. Oh wow! Thanks, man. Legitimate, legitimate. Wow, no, 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 it's actually legit. The third issue, uh, you know, I know. I, I I I phoned that one in, and you know that. But um, <laughs> but your your covers have been amazing, and I like. Oh, they've been great. I I I love seeing people online just be like they're flipping out over them. Oh, that's cool. You know, yeah, it's, it's uh uh i don't know i can't account for people's tastes what can i tell you uh, but, <laughs> so many brianna's out there writing it's all brianna it's all brianna to me, gotta right? stay on the covers twitter is one <laughs> one big brianna at the end of the day right so in general just one big brianna uh but anyway man, i just want to say congratulations you're doing great work and uh and your creator own stuff did you talk about your creator and stuff yet you know oh yeah i guess i should probably it's promote that whatever book Thing I mean, that's going along just fine. It's Batman that needs the help. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, this Daredevil true. character. Yeah, you still have that? Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, 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 I'm the grim, serious, dark uh, writer. Big, big shoes to fill, my friend. Big, big, big shoes. Someone pointed out I've been doing that for fifty-two issues. Wow. How many did Batman do? I, I think he's he's less than Nocenti. I think Nocenti was fifty-three. Wait, are you going to break the record? I, unless they fire me. What about Stan? <laughs> I don't think it was that many. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's a weird thing. Because like, I remember pitching it with you in the room. Yeah. I was terrified. It's the I'm only terrified. time I've ever... ever... Outright. Outright. Just didn't know. Outright. Outright. It was the only time I've ever actually been nervous in that room. Like, like really? usually I'm just like, uh, just a joke guy. But like... Yeah. But I was pitching it with you, Charles, and mm -hmm. and Mark Wade in the room. Okay. And I was just like, oh my god, like what am I doing pitching Daredevil with these guys? Yeah, it was like a Mount Rushmore there. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And then I don't know if you remember. Afterwards, you introduced me to, was it Eric, the showrunner of Daredevil? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, he introduced me to him in the hall, and uh, and you were like. Yeah, this is Chip. Uh, you know, he's got he's got fun stuff coming up because I just pitched it in the room. He's like, yeah, he's oh, well, let Eric know like what you got going on, what your what your take. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I want to know what your take is. I'm like, oh, it's gonna be kind of a romantic comedy. And you just looked at me like, oh, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right, bye. <laughs> first, of all, first of all, Eric's one of the sweetest guys in the world, but but he's also like nine feet tall. I, I'm not really seriously. He's yeah, like, he's probably like. Close to seven. Yeah, he's a mountain. Uh, so yeah. he's a mountain of a guy, and then and then he's just fanboys that all, all all over this stuff. And you know, he, he wrote a great season. But uh, yeah. anyway, I, I'm not gonna you know hold you up here unless you got something nice to say about me. Uh, and then, which in case, I'll stick around. Yeah, but, no, see you later. We'll we'll okay. talk sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we do need to talk. Man. We need to catch up. Are you doing any yeah, show? Yeah. You, you going anywhere? You're traveling? Anywhere? Uh, I'm going to Barcelona. I'm doing a Barcelona show yeah, in a couple of months. 
No. And then and then I'm, I'm I'm driving across Canada. I'm doing like 16 comic shops in my car, just me and a box of comics in the back. Wow. Okay. Well, watch out for uh, for the moose. On yeah. The, yeah. You know, uh, like the meese, well, the multiple, the plural of moose. You is know, meese. You know, I, I get to arguments like like is it is it deer or is it deers? Right. I think it should be deers. But yeah, I think, I think it's not wrong. Too. It should just be deer. You're right. Well, we could go on and on about this, obviously, on this yeah. podcast, the Marvelous. Yes, which is exactly yeah. What, yeah grammar speak is exactly what people tune in for. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> anyway, man, thanks for the opportunity to to get to do some covers of some awesome books. I'm actually so right here. I'm working on working <laughs> on the next one that I'm doing for you. Oh, is it the 135, the 900 one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward so, to that. Yeah, they gave me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 it's just oh. I mean, it's only a portion, so nobody can get angry at me. Angry at me. Oh, oh, it's oh, so there. Yeah, I know go. exactly yeah. what you're up to there. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, not sure that anymore. Sweet. Uh, but yeah, it's it's chip. It's killing me. It's absolutely killing me. Look, I'm, I'm wearing I'm wearing a lycane patch on my neck because it's killing me. So oh. this damn cover. We we suffer uh, for our art. Well, you don't understand the pain that I go through. I mean, you're you're in Canada, like partying up. Like, hey, I'm Chip Zdarsky. Like, you know, well, top universal health care. Yeah. And you know, I got American dollars. Look at this stuff, right? And uh, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> and uh, and I'm over here sweating, breaking my neck, and the whole thing, man. So anyway, yeah. take care, brother. And I will uh, talk to you soon. Have a yeah, fun. Yeah. Sorry, guys, I didn't mean to be on here for so long, but uh, you know, always good. Uh, always a pleasure. Yeah. Ah, mwah, right back at you, man. Take care. All right. See you, Joe. Bye. Yep. Bye. What a piece of shit. <laughs> How, why am I still sucking up to him? He's not even my boss anymore. I don't get it. God damn it. He just has a hold on me. He you need somebody to start, him. like, you need somebody to give you a slap when you start sucking up too much, snap you oh. out of it. Joe is like, yeah, I, 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 I quite enjoy Joe. We, 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 had, we had our ups and downs at Marvel mostly just because, like, he didn't get me when I started <laughs> like to the point where I was warned to not sign my first contract because Joe didn't get me. Mm. And I was like, I was terrified. I was like, what, like, what am I doing? I'm like, I think I just signed a contract and like, I got a notification from someone that they cornered Joe at an event. And Joe was like, yeah, I don't get that chip guy. And I'm like, what? Like, I can't, what am I doing? I can't, I can't be in the room. With with Joe, he's gonna tear me apart. And then, like, I think it was like Marvel Two and One. He he wrote me a really nice letter, mm. saying how much he he really liked it. And like, in in definitely there was a surprise element to it because he, he didn't enjoy my work before that. <laughs> but but it was like, oh okay, like, and that, that's the one thing I really like about Joe is the fact that like, you 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 know where you stand with him, and also he. He, his opinion will change if if a thing convinces him. He's like, okay, yeah. Like if he doesn't like a story, but you find a way to sell it to him, he'd be like, okay, all right, yeah, no, that's good now, that's good. Like, yeah, yeah, I appreciate that about him. This show is brought to you by our Patreon. Go to Patreon.com/slash/TheMarvelists, and on the three dollar tier, you'll get access to episodes early and ad free. $5 tier gets you our two bonus shows. One, Fantastic Voyage, where we dissect and just talk about the 102 issues, one by one, although if it's a storyline more than one at a time, of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's amazing, incredible, spectacular, invincible, and fantastic run of the Fantastic Four, the world's greatest comic magazine. And two, You Haven't Read That? A show dedicated to the comic books that I haven't read yet. Some Marvel, some DC, all fun. And on the $8 tier, pick a topic of your choosing, not a topping of your choice. Or perhaps you can be a guest on The Marvelists. Above all else, we thank you for your continued support. Well, Chip, getting back to Creepy Animal, I was thinking about how, you know, the change from serious to funny or vice versa. And that even goes back to what? The, the, the theater with the representation of the symbols of the, the smiling and the unhappy faces. So, oh, I love Molly Crew. 
it's it's Motley Crue's thing that you know that that's kind of almost natural that you Jekyll and Hyde it sort of um, and be able to transition from one to the other. Plus, the other thing I was going to add is that you know we're going through, or maybe you know you're you're changing and varying audiences are seeing the different phases of Chip because if you're doing the Jughead stuff at one point and then you're into Daredevil, you know what I mean. Oh, so you broke up there. When you're phasing from, you're having different audiences, whether it be for the non-serious stuff like the Jughead to the serious Daredevil, I'm saying the different phases of Chip. The people are coming on board and finding you in different parts of you know your career, what you're doing. I'm just, sorry, I'm still not getting the question. He wants to know if you've ever been in a submarine. <laughs> Simply yes. just adding to what was said already before before we got Joe in the mix. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I feel pretty fortunate. I'm able to do both things and to be able to be able to bounce around from genre to genre. Like, I don't know, necessarily know if any of my stuff really sells in like Tinian James Tinian numbers, um, but. Uh, but it sells well enough for me to keep kind of doing what I want to do, which is kind of all I can really ask for. I've never really tailored my stuff or um, sought out a specific kind of career. Cause I mean, comics was like a surprise to me that I ended up doing it. Um, so I've never had a plan. I don't have ideas for characters or anything. I'm just like, I tackle each project as they kind of come along. And the question is always just like, Oh, do I have something to say about this character? And will this be fun to do? So in other words, with Daredevil, he will keep his beard as long as you're still working on that character, right? No. That's a that's a spoiler right there. I have to say, by the way, you ended up getting me onto the end of Senti train of checking out her mm. stuff on Daredevil afterwards. Cause like that's been one of those I've, you know, attempted once or twice, and then I'm just like, no, I'm gonna go all in, started reading them on um the award-winning Marvel Unlimited and mm -hmm. You know, so I was able to check it out, just read it from there. And it's it's a page turner. It just it's action packed, keeps going. And then I saw her at a, a con recently and, you know, we we're talking about it. And she's like, yeah, I heard Chip loves my stuff. I'm like, yep. And that's the end of that story. Mm -hmm. Oh, she she knows it. Like I've I've had a chance to interview her and, and talk to her and work with her. She wrote a story that I drew in Daredevil. Um, yeah, she's like, I don't know. I think she's the gold standard, not just in like daredevil comics i think just in superhero comics because of the the big swings she took with with that title um like they were bold brave choices especially especially following frank miller like she followed frank miller there were some filling issues here and there but like um those are obviously big shoes to fill uh and yeah just oh i i, I love it and um it's also my favorite john Romita jr art I think I don't think anyone's inked him better than Al Williamson did on that. He was like a master artist in his own right. And the funniest so thing, I'm a big uh, Frank Miller fan, but even I'll admit, you know, Anne's run is like stellar and might even surpass Frank's runs. And that's saying something. Yeah, I'm. I'm I'll. I'll definitely say it. Like I think. I think Frank Miller. I think his run was definitely groundbreaking. Like I don't think Anne's run was necessarily groundbreaking in in the same way, um, but I think over time it, it holds up uh, even more than Frank's run, with a sole exception being Born Again, with uh, Mazzucchelli, which is still the best superhero story uh, I think ever published. Anne and John made me care about the Inhumans in a Daredevil story. <laughs> like I know that's rare. <laughs> It's such, a, it's such a weird choice. Like, there's so many just wild choices in that run. Um, yeah, that I don't think anyone can really top it. And then she she just had, like, a, such a, a lyrical, poetic style, too. And when I, when I talked to her, she talked about a lot about how the fact that her and Ramita Jr. both lived in New York. They're New Yorkers. You talk to either of them. They're, they're straight-up New Yorkers. And so a lot of what you were seeing and feeling in that book was just, it was New York in, like, the 80s. Like they really got the style and they really got like the voice and the feeling. Um, like one of my favorite issues of hers and his was like, was like uh, Beer with the Devil, the Christmas story that introduces M Mephisto. 
and like that's based on a real story of her like going to a dive bar on christmas eve and like hanging out with everyone who just kind of doesn't have a family on christmas eve like um yeah yeah it felt it's it's a surreal run but also weirdly realistic in a way that deviates from miller's version of realism i also found it it's odd seeing, you know, Daredevil square off against Ultron and Ultron doesn't oh, feel yeah. like a part of that, you know, rogues gallery. But once she puts him in there, she finds a way to make that, you know, that peg fit into the hole in the analogy I'm trying to figure out. So, yeah, I mean, that, that was part of like the um, the Axe of Vengeance storyline where like everyone's kind of traded villains. And I, I'm just picturing like, you know, the Marvel meeting where everyone's like, OK, yeah, let's have like a like um uh magneto fight captain america or red skull fight the x-men or whatever and then and essentially being like let's have ultron fight daredevil like, <laughs> it's just like such a wild idea but it's oh it's such a great story it's such I a mean, great story when you get down to it ultron really isn't as intimidating as stilt man anyways so it's, it's kind a, of a step down in a way you know it's all everything everything depends on uh the hands of the writer like it's mm. always those classic questions of like who would beat who in a fight and like well the answer is whoever the writer wants to win right. <laughs> like daredevil will beat ultron now on your you know your quote-unquote matt rushmore of all of the daredevil artists and writers we know nascenti and john ramita jr are on it who else is on there uh well obviously miller and Kelly. Matt Kelly is just untouchable in terms of art. Like, I don't think there's anyone that's ever reached uh, his level between that and Batman Year One. Mm. And even like his creator and stuff, like Asterios Polyp, like he's, yeah, he's he's absolutely on a different level from everyone else. You know, Gene Colan. It's funny, Matt Kelly was kind of aping Gene Colan at the beginning of his run because Gene Colan's like such a great Daredevil artist. Uh, but then obviously Matt Kelly came into his own. Um, God, there's been so many greats on there. Like the uh, Lee Weeks getting in there was amazing. Even Karen Dwyer did like a few Nocenti ones, and that's amazing. Um, obviously all the, the Bendis, you know, Brew Baker, uh, you know, Lark. Fuck, I mean, everyone's so good on it. <laughs> like it's actually it's actually stunning how many amazing talents have kind of come through just on that one title. Um, yeah yeah even with, with uh, charles and garney like like charles introduced uh wilson fisk as mayor which is like one of the greatest gifts i think any writer has given marvel comics which i'm sure mm -hmm. is going to be you know in a tv show at some point right uh, and good lord knows i i've used it um yeah yeah i don't know there's there's just tons and then and even like god mark wade chris sammy like that's that's unbeatable too and every every one of them has a different vibe, but but you will note that like they're always writer artist combos, which is so rare. Like when you think of like Amazing Spider Man, you can you can think about Dan Slott or you know, um, yeah, I mean Dan Slott was like kind of the the major writer for like ten years, but like Dan Slott and who? Like what what's what's that run? Like. There's there's no one artist that's kind of like linked to that. Um, I'm thinking like even like with, with Nick Spencer, like they still had to bounce around with a bunch of artists on that one. You know, Zeb's been lucky to have Ramita Jr. because Ramita is like a a powerhouse and hits all the deadlines. But there's still a ton of filling issues because of the schedule of that book. Um, yeah, Chris Claremont and Next Minutes. Like there's so many artists that worked with him. Uh, but with Daredevil, it feels like there's always like a writer mm -hmm. and an artist. And that's always, mm -hmm. I think that's the key to its success. You could picture it. If I say like, if I say Bendis, you instantly have like Maliv in your head. Like right away. In the sense you have Ramita Jr. It's just like, it's, it's right there. Not just it's that, but the Mac, the Mac covers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like on ours, we've had a bunch of artists. Um, but I'm, I've been super lucky that Marco has stayed with us since issue one. Mm -hmm. And like, <laughs> there were offers, like, uh, like other editors absolutely tried to poach him off of Daredevil. Yeah. And, you know, there were some conversations about like, what do we want this run to be? And, you know, um, uh, I, I, I might've stopped writing it if he left. 
honestly. Like, I, mean, I think I, I think that would have been weird. I I love your writing on the series, but it, it is one of those things where the art is it's one of those kind of rare series, I guess, at least for me, where the art is just as much of a draw as yeah. the writing. Like it's just such a knockout. Yeah, we've we've been lucky with uh, the fill-in and the secondary artists, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. We got Rafael De La Torre on on kind of backup uh, position right now, and he's great. He's super solid. Really good at kind of uh, the mood of the book. Um, Manuel Garcia has been chipping in here and there. We have Jorge Fornes. With this run chip, um, without giving much away, if anything, and as of today's date of the recording, February 9th, I think just uh, yesterday, issue 19 came out. How far ahead are you or do you need to be or if you're comfortable being, you know, with what's coming up? Sorry, what, uh, in terms of Daredevil? Uh, yeah, issue eight just came out. Um, and I've written, what's the last script I sent them? Sorry, I'm actually checking on my computer. Um, I've written 11 issues right now, and I got to start the 12th one very shortly. So I'm still ahead of the, I'm still ahead of the artist, thank God. But um, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's always a challenge. Now, uh, well, go ahead. Oh, uh, I just wanted to ask, like you mentioned, you know, the whole thing with with Fisk being mayor, and I I loved that is you know taking effect across different series and how it but but how it culminated with mm-hmm. Daredevil and just the the route that took. I was a big fan of it, but so you know, kind of taking him out, putting in like Luke Cage as mayor, was that like you know, you just said, I want to do this. And they were like, all right, that's fine. Did you have to jump through a whole lot of hoops with that? Or is that like a big status quo thing you have to go through? You know, it came up in one of the big Marvel meetings, like during the Zoom period. And uh, I was kind of talking about Devil's Reign. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was the first time I was pitching it in the room. And I, and I basically said, at the end, we can have a new mayor because like mm-hmm. I knew Fisk was going to be gone. And I, I put out the idea of Luke Cage, but I think only because I had like a political poster in my head that said like my economic plan is bulletproof. <laughs> oh, like I think that, I know, and I didn't end up using it because it felt it felt a little weird um, to 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 have that in a Marvel book. And um, but like I, I put that out there, and everyone kind of laughed, and like, and then we all mm. started talking about it and thinking about it. And like, actually, no, that really works. It works well for the character. It, it elevates mm. the character and possibly gives us. Um, new stories to tell with luke mm-hmm. cage because like luke and jessica you know they end up having a, a fair number of like limited series or be in defenders um but you really want to you want to you want to push those characters kind of beyond where they stand in like the marvel cinematic universe netflix of it all right yeah you know and, and that's one of the things in and Joe always said that too when we were in the room when we were talking about like story ideas. Anything that kind of veered toward what was happening in the movies and TV shows, Joe would be like, "No, we 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 set the template for it. What's mm-hmm. next? Okay, like we shouldn't be thinking about it that way. We should right. be thinking like it's a it's a fine line because we obviously still put out product uh, like lines up with it. Like right. uh, the character of Nick Fury changed because Samuel L. Jackson. Right. Nick Fury in, in yeah. so many people's eyes but you also you want to stay ahead of it or else yeah. you you know yeah. you run yeah. the risk of like following the movies instead of leading yeah. the way yeah so um, yeah 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 so the yeah. Fisk stuff him going away Luke Cage coming in just felt like that, that it's a fun setup for whoever mm-hmm. wants to write the character next yeah has there ever I can't like think of anything I guess that would make sense for it off the top of my head, but has there ever been anything where they that happened in the movies where they told you like you have to do this to line up with the films? Only in the sense that um the job I got doing Spectacular Spider-Man was a direct result of the fact that uh, I think it was Homecoming, the first like Spider-Man okay. yeah, uh, yeah. Tom Holland movie was coming out. It was coming out during a period where Dan Slott had Peter Parker with Parker Industries mm-hmm. in a global kind of setting. Mm-hmm. And so Marvel was just like, oh, like we need we need a book where Spider-Man, Peter Parker is in New York, mm-hmm. not running his international business. Right. Because we, we, we were hopefully going to bring people from the movie to the comics. So that right. was the whole deal there. I had to kind of like 
figure out a way to make that work while not mm -hmm. contradicting what the cool stuff Dan was doing over an amazing Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's usually just things like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like Dan, because Dan was on the main title, like mm -hmm. it was cool that he was pushing it into new territory and stuff. Mm -hmm. Whereas I had to kind of like, I had to appeal probably a bit more to the, um, the MCU crowd. Right. Right. Now, when it comes to that run of Spectacular, one of the things that I love is the final issue, which I believe uh, you won an Eisner for as well. And yeah. interesting, yeah. on our episode yeah. with you, you were actually working on that issue, literally drawing it as you were talking to us. So I was always, when I yep. see the issue and I hear it, I'm like, he was working on that while talking to us. <laughs> and you'll think the same thing about this uh, episode that Joe was drawing that Batman cover. Mm. Uh, when that finally comes out, um, yeah, yeah, that was that was that was a lot of fun. It was it was a weird one. It was a weird one to do, um, because I quit the book. You know, <laughs> like not only did I quit the book, I was like, I'm quitting this book. Can I write and draw the last issue, please, yeah. <laughs> and color it? Um, yeah, it was that was a that was a little surreal. I'm, I'm happy people liked it, and um, getting the Eisner for that was. Uh, was a very strange night because like i don't think like i don't think anything spider-man's ever won an eisner before like it was it was a very huh. strange thing to have happen um and i was also i don't drink at comic conventions it's like oh, no. just a rule of mine like mm. like it only leads to regret like the next day <laughs> when you have to like go to the show floor or whatever or maybe say mm. something stupid that night um but there's something about that night. I, I didn't think I was going to win, maybe, but I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to let loose and have a few drinks, and I'm not going to have a speech. I'm not oh. going to have a speech. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then I won, and then I got up there, and all I remember is I got a lot of laughs, and I may have embarrassed my editor, who was at our table. Um, and yeah, and I wandered around that night with a with an Eisner for Spider-Man. It was very weird. <laughs> Did you ever get your award back from uh, Mark Wade? No, I mean, so I mean, okay, so Mark Wade had my Harvey for it was either Howard the Duck or Sex Criminals, I can't remember, and um, uh, he thought it would be funny. He gave to CB Sabolski. This is before CB was editor in chief, uh, and CB took it with him to like Shanghai, I think. So all of a sudden, <laughs> I got some photos of it around the world and i jason aaron had it at one point and like put it in bed with him with some barbecue sauce like it, it got weird um but it ended up with matt fraction and, and kelly sue DeConnick. and they put it because kelly sue was shooting a pilot at the time and they had it in the background of, of the pilot in a scene um, but nobody remembered to pick it up afterwards, so it ended up. I think it's like a, a like an NBC Universal prop warehouse somewhere in the world, and it's just gone. It's just gone now. Do you remember what show it was? Did it get picked up or anything? It did not get picked up. Mm. Um, I forget the name of it. I know Sean Cassidy was involved because mm. um, that was very surreal to hear. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't remember the name of it. Yeah. Um. But like, like most pilots, it it didn't get picked up. That's yeah. kind of the crapshoot. But uh, yeah. so we'll never see the footage, and we'll never see the awarding again, unless it just starts popping up in the background of NBC shows. So you yeah. need to be eagle-eyed, like Law and Order viewer or whatever, to see mm -hmm. if it's on someone's mantle who murdered yeah. somebody. Yeah. Do you think that you'd ever be like involved with making any of these shows or movies or anything? Uh. It's not on my list mm. things to do you know i'd never say never because like um i never thought i'd write a screenplay mm -hmm. and then we sold newburn to a studio and part of the deal was that i get to write that pilot mm. and so i did the process i wrote the pilot for it um and did the edits and all the, the notes and the meetings and stuff mm. and i was like i wouldn't say it was fun yeah I learned I learned a lot doing it. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I did a very good job on it. Um, uh, but the pay is really good. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like really excited about that. Um, and then yeah, they 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 didn't go with my script. Mm. Everything's a little bit limbo right now. Mm. Um, so it's like you know I 
I like to do things to learn. I've never been in a writer's room. Maybe that would be fun. Maybe I want to jump off the roof. Right. Um, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. I like, because I know, like, Matt was, like, a creative consultant on the Hawkeye show, and that yeah. seems pretty ideal. Like, you just sit at home, and then right. they, like, send you, like, a script, or they send you a rough edit of an episode. You give them notes. Right. Maybe yeah. you film a cameo. I'd love, right. that's all I really want. I want to have a cameo. If they ever yeah. adapt like my Daredevil stuff yeah. and I could be like a bystander to get shot. I'm like, right. Uh, that's my bucket list right there. Yeah. yeah. I can order you a cameo. Cameo.com. Find somebody. Do you want that? Mm-hmm. That's, all I, that's all I want. That's all I want in life. <laughs> Chip out again. Back to the Daredevil and the issues, and I think what I was mistaking with the numbering was was amazing. Came out with issue nineteen, but yes, number number eight, like you said, uh, the storyline. I think did I see was it part eight in this current issue? It's issue eight right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I like like they ask the, every once in a while the editor says, "Oh, what's the name of this arc?" And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like I don't know. I'm just, I'm writing one big story. Right. Um, and it's been a kind of a there've been a lot of mix-ups at Marvel in terms of like collecting it and how to handle the collections. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the hard covers of it all, which I think is going to be you know hopefully the ones that they maybe put back in print, keep in print forever. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole storyline is called uh, "To Heaven Through Hell," mm-hmm. and so I, I wanted them to basically label each of those hardcovers with that volume one of that story volume two of that story because i hate i I really hate like daredevil by chip sadarsky volume three Mm -hmm. like that's not a title for a story like i want i want them to treat it like almost like a novel like this is the name of the novel and you're 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 like i designed i did i did a whole design for the hardcovers there was a whole new cover for it and i designed it and i made it look distinct and feel like a novel mm-hmm. and then marvel sent the wrong file to the printer so like oh like and, and these things happen like it's not even yeah. like i was <laughs> i was upset right. but um because i wanted this to feel very different from the standard hardcovers that are out there yeah yeah um, i think that cover will see the light of day probably on omnibus i'd imagine yeah. at some point um because marvel paid for it and if they pay for it they'll use it right but uh but yeah, I don't even remember what the question was. I'm just like rambling now. It so is... it's basically, it's, it's issue eight of the storyline. Mm-hmm. I think they're just calling, calling it the Red Fist Saga because um, that's just the easiest way to do it. And uh, yeah. The very I, first... I think, sorry, go ahead. Well, the, the very first arc that when you were working on it, it was called uh, No Fear in the Solicitations. And the very yes. first thing I thought of was because I didn't know what it was going to be about. I didn't read what it said, but I am I see no fear and I see like a little bit of fire in there. And I'm like, no, he's not putting Man-Thing versus Daredevil. And I'm like, <laughs> it is something that I could see you doing, to be completely honest. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say yes or no if Man-Thing shows up. I don't want to spoil one way or the other. But when I saw that, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm going to like man thing soon. I think there are a few people thought that. Yeah, because the image, because that was the image that I drew for the uh, the promotion of it, which was just like Daredevil's helmet on fire. Mm. And uh, yeah, that is very man thing. I probably should have realized that when I did it, <laughs> but I'm not uh, not that sharp. Was uh was I I think I may have heard you talk about this before maybe not but I forgot it if I did was was going back to number one after Devil's Reign was that a like a, was that a you thing was that a story decision was that a business decision yeah that was a business decision yeah. I mean um I hate that we relaunched at right. number one even though it benefited me financially yeah I I think I think you know there's the short term money gain from Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of keep a series going, to keep it infused, mm-hmm. and, and not just to keep this series going, it's to keep other series that maybe aren't making as much money going. Right. Um, but it, 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 I, I think it hurt us mm-hmm. because all I, all I saw were reactions online when it was relaunched, where people thought it was over. Yeah. Like people right. thought it ended because the, devil, the right. end of Devil's Reign feels like an ending. Yeah. And so that was a great jumping-off point for people who just didn't mm-hmm. know we were continuing on. Right. So there, I, I know basically for a fact that we lost readers doing that. Yeah. We gained readers because it's an opportunity for people to pick up an issue one of a thing. Mm-hmm. 
but it was not an issue one. Like I, mm. I did my best to kind of retrofit it so it yeah. felt like an issue one, like a bit of a right. reintroduction of the character. But we were right. continuing the story, and it right. it was definitely a continuation. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so that was that was super hard. And right. then on top of it, our issue two is issue six fifty. So we mm. had like a, a, a oh, like a large issue one, and then an mm. oversized issue two. Like <laughs> yeah, it's 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 remarkable we were able to hold on to the readers that we have. Frankly, yeah. Yeah. Of those. And like yeah. I don't even I don't fault Marvel for it. Like they, they need to keep the doors open, they need to keep the lights on. Like right. comics is not a lucrative endeavor right. for them. Um ultimately it is because all you gotta do is create like a Miles Morales and next thing you know you you've got a billion dollar uh, character there. Yeah. yeah. But it's yeah, it's uh yeah. I don't it's funny because like I didn't want to renumbering there. Mm-hmm. I I did want a renumbering with Batman, right? And I didn't get it. Yeah, <laughs> like I think there's certain there's certain points where a renumbering helps. Yeah, there's certain sure. points where where it doesn't help. I think yeah. a Batman it would help just in the sense that like my concern there was Jorge was continuing as artist. Mm-hmm. Um, so my worry was like no one would feel that this is a a bold new step because right. it's the same artist kind of coming right. along jorge's great yeah. but i'm just like i think we need the number one so people know this is like this yeah. is the beginning of a thing yeah um but you know i mean marie javins stuck to her guns and she's probably wiser than me for it like mm-hmm. she's like no like the, the the numbering feels important to keep it at 125 it's 125 is a big solid issue anyway so mm-hmm. the longer we can keep it and like because you don't want to pull that trigger all the time. You don't want to be like, mm-hmm. oh, every five issues is a number one. You're right. Um, if if we ever do a Batman number one, or if whoever follows me does a Batman number one, it's going to be bigger as a result mm-hmm. of us not doing it here. So it's like right. it, it's a trade off. Were Were you always planning on continuing the story with Daredevil after Devil's Reign, or did that like only yeah. come? Okay, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was it was Devil's Reign was essentially just it became an event yeah um but it was it wasn't always an event like it was like as i was pitching the daredevil story in one of the marvel retreats Mm -hmm. um i think just like the eyes of like marketing and the eyes of cb just kind of lit up when Mm -hmm. i was describing what i was planning because they're just like Mm -hmm. oh that's that's bigger than just a daredevil comic that's like an event yeah and so i i I built it up more as an event like i obviously included more characters and uh more villains and things like that mm-hmm. but the, the 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 basic beats were were there mm-hmm. when it was just a daredevil story mm-hmm. and that, but i was just given more leeway and a bigger issue size to yeah. to tell it as an event yeah. and then um I, yeah i was always going to follow it with uh with more daredevil because yeah. the story wasn't yeah. done yeah did you did you like enjoy the experience of kind of orchestrating an event or is that not something you're really into <laughs> no i mean it's funny because like um when it was finally approved as an event i had to like it took forever like yeah you write out the outline over and over and over again and it's got to be run through all the levels all the editors uh and you've got to incorporate notes or argue the notes um and i remember at the marvel retreat where i was telling everyone about the event now that it was an event Mm -hmm. Yeah. I said uh, I was excited to pitch to my first and last event. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone laughed, and I'm like, "No, I'm serious. I'm, yeah. I can't do this again." Yeah. I mean, we were we were both lucky and unlucky that it was kind of it was put together over the pandemic. Yeah, because um, nobody was in the Marvel office, so there wasn't a lot of like heads poking into offices to make it bigger. Mm-hmm. We had a few tie-ins, but I think if the office was a, a regular office again, it would have had a lot more kind of tie-in issues which would have made it more complicated right so we kind of flew under the radar a little bit uh because of that thank god Mm -hmm. um i mean really the hardest part was just the planning like once the planning was done Mm -hmm. writing the issues was as easy as writing a daredevil issue yeah uh you know the the hard work fell on marco who really wanted Mm -hmm. to make sure he wrote he drew every issue which is hard because it's like each one was pages and he's uh you know he's got to draw like every marvel character like yeah i would feel bad because i'd write a scene like all right every marvel hero is fighting every marvel villain and also all of new york is chasing them like oh that sucks that sucks yeah. it's the hardest to get i remember yeah. getting those from matt for sure but like he he nailed it yeah. um so we were pretty lucky 
that we were able to do it together um and on such a big scale and yeah. maybe we brought in some more daredevil readers uh by the end who knows yeah so now in regards to the other things that you're doing you're working you're doing some independent work and the big one mm -hmm. being public domain and mm -hmm. how did that one come about and sell it to the readers that might be you know daredevil fans or howard thuduk fans you know <laughs> good luck with that um <laughs> I mean, it came about because I, I, I mean, I know uh, you gentlemen have a podcast and those are very rare and exclusive things to have. And mm -hmm, I managed mm -hmm. to snag one myself called Manga Explaining, some friends of mine, where they explain manga to me and we read manga every week and I'm the newbie and I'm learning. And so we were doing that podcast for about a year and I really started to notice and love the fact that there was such a wide variety of topics in the manga we were covering, uh, much more so than kind of the North American comics audience. Um, like, you know, one of my favorites was a book called Wave. Listen to me about a young woman who wants to be a radio DJ. Or, or Shimbo was like a book just kind of covering food in restaurants. Like there's a volume that's just about rice, but it's still just, it's fascinating. Mm. Um, uh yeah, it was some historical stuff, like a salaryman, businessman comics. There's my one of my favorite was called Ping Pong, just about guys playing ping pong in tournaments. Um, it, it just seemed like if there was something that the creator loved in life, they'd made a manga about it. And so I just thought to myself, well, what do I love in life? And I had nothing. I had nothing. Like my life is just so boring. I have no hobbies. All I care about are comics. Like I, I love the history of it. I love the process of it. Um, I read a lot of articles and books about that. And uh, it was a sad realization, but also I'm like, I guess I'm making my follow-up to Sex Criminals is going to be a comic about comics mm -hmm. and uh, kind of the history about it and relationships. And so came, I came up with the idea for public domain in which it's about a family who uh, the, the dad, the older dad, um, worked on a comic, created a comic back in like the 70s uh, called The Domain. And now in the current day, The Domain is the biggest character in the world, essentially the Marvel, the Marvel uh, heroes uh, on the on the big screen. The Domain is that in this world. Uh, so it's on, you know, backpacks, lunchboxes, shirts, it's everywhere. And he's retired and he's content with the fact that he created this thing that people love. But his kid has a different outlook on that he feels his dad's been ripped off uh and seeing the domain everywhere uh hurts mm -hmm. and so it's about their relationship um the whole family's relationship the dynamic around the creation of this character it's about the comic company and the movie studio and um it kind of turns into a bit of a, a legal battle and a family fight uh over um the rights to the character and uh yeah, so it's it's different from Daredevil. And it's different from Howard the Duck. Um, it's a thing I write and draw. I'm oh, sorry. What about Star Lord? Oh, it's exactly Star Lord. Makes sense. So much so they might sue me. But um, yeah, it's a book that I'm. I, I write it. I draw it. I color it. I letter it. I do it all myself. Um, so it's super personal. And um, and it was a thing I was going to do. In like 2024 like that was kind of my plan like after sex criminals i was burnt out on drawing mm -hmm. and uh uh and i just didn't have time in my schedule but then substack came and offered me a one-year grant uh no strings attached really i didn't have to make comics for it um but the expectation is like yeah you should make a comic so i'm like ah mm -hmm. damn it i gotta do this here like it's the idea i have it would be me drawing it like i mm -hmm. could control it so yeah, so I started doing it for Substack uh, like a year and a half ago, and uh, and yeah, it was great. It was great kind of getting back into it, and then we we published the single issues at Image. Now the collection is out through Image, and uh, and yeah, yeah, I'm super happy with it. The only catch has been um, right after I signed the Substack deal, DC offered me Batman, mm. which was a, a very hard day in my life because uh, I almost started crying because I knew it was coming. I got the email 
from DC saying, hey, we all we will want to talk to you on Zoom. And I turned to my wife and I almost cried and I said, I think they're going to offer me Batman. Oh. And I can't I can't do it. <laughs> and so it became it became a thing because James Tanyan signed up with Substack and quit Batman because that's the smart thing to do. Mm. Too much work. Yeah, I signed up with Substack, started to write and draw a comic, and then they offered me Batman. So mm. I'm I'm the dummy. I'm the dummy. But yeah, so public domain is we did the first five issues, and now uh, I'm working on the second arc right now. Uh, which will start showing up on my Substack uh, in a couple of weeks, and yeah, yeah, it's too much work. <laughs> I shouldn't be doing it, yeah. but I'm really proud of it, and I think it's kind of it's funny, fun, touching. Um, uh, it's something for people who maybe are burnt out on on the superhero books, or maybe just want something kind of different to complement them. Now, before we go, Chip, I want to say thank you so much for your time today on the podcast. Yeah. Taylor, thank you as well. Absolutely. So before we go, Chip, how can people get a hold of you on social media? I prefer they don't. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I prefer. I mean, you can go to my Substack, which isn't really social media. Zadarsky.substack.com. Um, you can yeah, sign up for probably... chip classes. You can sign up for my chip classes. Yeah, it's only 400 bucks for every five-minute video. Which I think is a deal. Mm-hmm. Somebody's been uploading them to YouTube though, so I don't know what's going what? on. Yeah. Uh, goddamn pirates. It's probably Joe Casada. <laughs> I will say though, I learned a lot from the very first one. I became a better comic writer as a result. Oh, good. Nice. That, though. Nice. I'm glad it's helping people. I forgot. Even that. if you aren't paying me. <laughs> so now before we go, Chip, once again, thank you. And yeah. For the Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Taylor Stenhouse. I am Chip Sadarsky. And I'm Eddie Wilson, Excelsior. <laughs>